1: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Jeff Hoffman, Chief Medical Information Officer at Nationwide Children's. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Great to be here. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening, especially heading into the fall, um, really with children's health, you know, very much a busy season. But before we dive into the broader discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
2: Sure. Uh, I am a clinical informaticist and pediatric emergency medicine physician at Nationwide Children's Hospital here in Columbus, Ohio. I've been uh, chief medical information officer for about 12 years and seven years ago founded a division of clinical informatics in our department of PEDS, so I currently serve as the division chief as well. We have 10 physician informaticists and four clinical informatics fellows in our division, and we also supervise about three dozen or so EHR Provider builders across the organization, so it's pretty pretty large group that uh, that is focused on uh, provider uh, interaction with technology and the service of uh, healthcare and all the other goals we have at the institution.
1: Absolutely, that's great to hear. And I know that sitting between the technology side of it, as well as the medical and healthcare provider side, you know, it just seems like a perfect place to be right now with all the opportunities in digital transformation and, and working technology into the broader healthcare delivery um, process. So I'm excited to hear your perspective on how that's all working. Um, given where we're at today, what are some of the big opportunities as well as headwinds that you have your eye on right now?
2: Yeah, so right now we're certainly in an incredible period of opportunities in health IT and the use of information technology for, for health and wellness. Um, you know, for years we've been hearing and talking about things like big data, precision medicine, all these buzzwords, without really a clear idea of how these things would directly impact what we do every day. And I think we're finally at the point where these technologies uh, really have have matured to the point that we may be getting close to some, re- reaching some of those lofty promises uh, they held out. Um, yeah, I don't have to say much about the hype this year, especially around AI, uh, generative. AI and the large language models like ChatGPT and all that. Um, but with, with tools like that and the, and the advances we've made in predictive analytics in general, I think everyone's now starting to see the potential for using tools like this in all kinds of different areas, workforce efficiency, patient engagement, process automation, safety, quality, um, research. Uh, of course, we're, we're right at the top of the Gardner hype cycle right now. Uh, I don't even think it's peaked yet, And on the other side is that dreaded, you know, trough of disillusionment before things sort of settle down into practical applications with real benefits. So there's definitely headwinds. Um, And I think it's going to depend on um, I think those headwinds are really going to depend determine how these tools are going to be used and what impacts they're going to really have. I mean, first of all, we got this incredible. you know, overhype right now and a lot of companies are trying to capitalize on these inflated expectations. So everyone's rushing in to incorporate generative AI and such into their platforms with, you know, different levels of success. And I think AI algorithm is probably the new buzzword. Um so, you know, having you know, having the knowledge and skills to kind of figure out if products and product claims are for real. Um, you know, if you don't have that, uh, you might be wasting a lot of time and money on products that don't live up to their promises. So, just sort of dealing with all of that noise coming from the vendor community, not knowing you know which are really good products, which ones haven't really been uh, well tested yet in the wild. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we're facing a lot of. Pressure with provider and staff burnout, workforce shortages, you know, margins are being squeezed. Patient expectations are at an all-time high, especially with all this new technology out there, um, and the amount of change these tools bring on is gonna are gonna tax providers and staff who may be already struggling. So, um, you know, the challenge that me and a lot of my counterparts elsewhere have is trying to figure out, you know, which of these tools are most valuable, um, how to how, you know, how quickly to implement them and how to minimize just the burden of change that we're going to impose on our on our workforce and trying to do that. And that's a real delicate balance.
1: And I can imagine it, it seems like the last couple of years, there's just been so much thrown at the clinical workforce in particular in trying to, um, you know, manage some of the challenges with COVID and then workforce shortages and those kinds of things. And then now with additional data, as you mentioned, information, looking at how you can develop and deliver more um, precise medical care and thinking about outcomes. Um, How do you really, I guess, work through some of the people part of that change and making sure that people trust the technology and are excited about it and then use it in the right way to deliver the best outcomes?
2: Those are really good questions. Um, And I think one of the big mistakes oftentimes is we get so excited about the technology and what it can do that we put it in there without really thinking about how it integrates into the into the workflow that people do every day. And sometimes it's, it's actually that it's an assistant that's adding into their workflow, something that, you know, might, might, you know, immediately provide benefit or help, but oftentimes it requires adjusting or changing a workflow that people might be very comfortable with. And so you first have to deal with just that anxiety around change in general. And then you throw into that, the fact that, you know, some of these tools come without much explanation as to what they're doing and why, so to, Basically, develop you need to develop a fair amount of trust uh, with the people that are going to be using these tools, and trust in two ways. One that you have confidence that these tools, you know, have the accuracy they need. Uh, don't don't introduce additional risk. Um, are equitable, um, and at the same time, trust that if if things don't turn out that way, that you're in position to 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 deal with those, either mitigate those issues or maybe maybe switch to some other uh, process. So I think just that. Two-way communication and trust um, is really important, and if you if you lose that early, it's really hard to get it back.
1: That's such a great point, and definitely something to keep in mind um, for all healthcare leaders as they're looking at this transition. Now, I, I wanted to ask, what are you how are you thinking about growth and development, as well as adding value to Nationwide Children's overall in the near future? What does that really look like for you?
2: So there's a few different ways to think about growth. You know, Obviously, as a provider organization, we're looking for opportunities to expand our services, our service offerings, geographic reach, but the explosion of telehealth has really dramatically changed the competitive landscape we're in. You know, we're a freestanding children's hospital in central Ohio, and we're the largest provider by far of pediatric services in our local region. And that has historically insulated us from a lot of competitive pressures, even in a state like Ohio, where we have four major children's hospitals within probably a two to three hour drive of each other. Um, but with telehealth now in the mix, we really have needed to double down on our areas of strength. We, need to, we, we really are focusing on creating more dynamic destination programs and offering services that are difficult to find elsewhere. And the same thing's happening in terms of our IT platforms and services. You know, Pretty much any clinical program these days rely heavily on technology to support all their patient care needs, population health, quality improvement, and so on. Um, so as a result, we've been heavily investing over the past several years in core capabilities really to take care of all those areas and to maximize the functionalities in, in what we have and what we own. So the EHR, of course, telehealth platforms, analytic tools and such. In our case, we put together a strong data science team so we could develop internal internally things like predictive models, and uh, you know, use natural language processing, augment and virtual reality, things like that. Um, so we built up the technical infrastructure and skilled workforce to deploy these tools in, in real work clinical settings so that we can study their benefit. And we continue to look for new opportunities you know, to really take care of patients and families, but as importantly, to take care of our providers, our nurses, and the rest of our nearly 14,000 employees. So, so really, it's, it's around really identifying, what we're best at, investing in that, and then letting that be our calling card, both in our region and outside of our region. I
1: love that. I think it's so just fascinating to hear about and think about ways that telemedicine, virtual care, and all those other different and unique care delivery, um, I guess modalities um, that have been popping up really can change the way you look at um, healthcare in the competitive landscape. Now, I know, um, especially in the last year, uh, just resources within the hospital have been a little bit more pinched than usual, whether it's financial, manpower, work hours, et cetera. But it's still important to kind of look it through and think about, you know, where areas we need to double down, as you mentioned, that we're doing really well. So from your perspective, what is one risk or investment that's still worth making this
2: year? So this might seem like an obvious choice, but... I really think everyone should at least dip their toes into the newer AI tools if they can, the, especially the generative AI tools, um, things like ChatGPT-based applications somewhere in the organization. Now, I don't expect everyone to have the technical capabilities to train their, own, their own large language model or, or even tweak one that's commercially available. Um, but I think it's important to begin to understand what these things can do and, and as importantly, what they can't do what everyone's comfort level is with this technology in terms of accuracy, bias, potential legal liability. Um, because you know, this is a train that's coming and you know, you can't, you're gonna be faced with using these tools at some point. Um, and like I said before, every vendor seems to be baking these sorts of tools into their products and new companies seem to be popping up everywhere with entirely new types of products based on these kinds of technologies. So with all the hype and swirl and all these choices, it, it can really be hard to know where to start. My suggestion would be either to trial a feature like this in one of your existing applications, or um, perhaps supplied by a large or stable vendor that you trust, uh, or you can be more adventurous. Try something you know totally new, um, even from a small or a new vendor um, in an area basically where you can afford afford it to fail if it doesn't deliver on its promise. You know, I personally have no doubt that these tools are going to become ubiquitous and essential in the coming years. So, you know, you certainly don't want to be left behind and you don't want to be behind the curve in adopting them. But really anybody who's trying to be on the cutting edge with these tools, I say caution. Um, Until we have more history with them, it's hard to know what specific, you know, technologies or platforms will fall utterly flat and which ones will be transformational. So I, I think it'll be really interesting to look back at this period and maybe, you know, five six years from now and see what's stuck and what sank.
1: Yeah, truly, it seems like right now, there's just uh, such a broad field of technologies and companies and both established as well as startups that are trying to figure out where the sweet spot is for um, really making a difference in the healthcare space. And when you look at you know, um, yourself and Nationwide Children's in, in adopting new technologies or innovations, um, like you said, obviously you don't wanna be uh, first to the punch, but but don't wanna be last either. Where do you really see yourself on that, um, I guess, innovation scale in terms of um, being able to to wanting to jump in and in, but but also making that balance with not you know uh, taking on too much risk with something new.
2: It is a, it is a very delicate balancing act, um, partly because the resources to do these kinds of things, whether you're buying a, a commercial product or, or building things in house with local resources, it's expensive and there's risk involved. I think that. Um, you know, in, in our case, uh, what we have decided to do is take a very deliberate, uh, use case focused approach. Um, while this, meaning, find things where we know we have a need. There isn't necessarily something out there that can do what we wanted to do, or maybe in some cases there are, and, and, and try them out and see see how they work. So, you know, we've we've deployed some really innovative predictive analytics tools uh, for some of our high risk patient populations um, and that was done after a, a, a significant amount of not just development time but testing and running scenarios and simulations and figuring out what the impact would be not just on the benefits but also the burden that they sometimes put on work for, workforce uh, members um, And then also um, you know we we definitely uh, want to, want to try to um, see what our peers are doing. We want, we want to make sure that what the expectations that are being put on us by our patients, by our families, by our staff, um, you know, how others are addressing those. Uh, because I think this is an area where we can really learn from each other. Um, I don't think all of us uh, really can afford to uh, try things out ourselves without having some indication of, of how it's gone elsewhere. And I know that means someone has to go first and sometimes that's us, but we're also happy to let others go first and, and us follow quickly behind.
1: That makes a lot of sense and truly seems like a, a very smart strategy uh, in approaching the very many uh, new technologies and opportunities there are in the digital transformation space. Now. Before we wrap up our conversation, I just wanted to return to growth one more time. Where do you see some of the best opportunities in the future? I know we've talked through a few different uh, key changes that are happening as healthcare evolves and healthcare delivery changes. What, what's your perspective on the future more long-term?
2: So from where I sit, um, what I see as some of the best opportunities for growth are in extending existing expertise, our existing expertise into into new areas, new markets, um, Obviously telehealth and remote patient monitoring, e-consult services play a big part, but also really um, developing and maintaining really strong partnerships regionally, nationally, and in some cases, internationally. There's historically been a lot of friction for outside providers and new patients trying to interact with health systems, and we're no exception to that. You know, Patient access has historically been a major challenge, and I know uh, we and others deal with that all the time. Uh, some of that can be facilitated or helped with technologies, we're focusing on ones that can improve communication, both internally and externally. Certainly looking for ways to streamline operations, uh, referral routing automation, these AI powered chatbots we're looking into, paperless workflows we're trying to adopt, and really lowering barriers to access uh, from things as sort of, that, that aren't always on the radar. Things like uh, you know transportation and travel difficulties where telehealth might be a solution, or you know, language barriers where remote interpretation services or auto translation tools could really be helpful. So, you know, focusing application of these tools and technologies can really attract new patients looking for key services that um, that we can offer, and uh, allow us to retain our existing patients who might be tempted to look elsewhere because we can provide the same amount of patient engagement that our peers do, and certainly they expect from dealing with you know other industries that have already adopted a lot of these same tools and 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 technologies
1: that's a great point it definitely you know makes a lot of sense Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today jeff this has been really a fun and interesting conversation and i look forward to connecting with you again
2: soon it's been fantastic thank you
0: it's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning stay sharp grow their networks help our audience better do this in a more simplified personalized and meaningful way